Hello, hello. Welcome to Avocado on Toast Live. I'm your host, Hazel Osborne. And today on the show, we are going to be talking everything, student loans, student living allowance. Um, what else are we going to be talking about with my two guests here today? We've got Kane Rongo, and we also have Gritty Evans. So say hi, guys. Hey, uh, my name's Kane. I'm a <laughs> biomedical science student at Victoria University of Wellington, and uh-huh. I'm currently $37,000 in debt. Uh, I'm Greta Evans. I don't study science. I study film, uh, so I look for the future ahead of me. Uh, yep, um, I am about, I think, $35,000 in debt now, which is pretty... Uh, yeah, pretty cool. I, yeah. I feel like this is a tri- is a triple A meeting for like people who have serious <laughs> students. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like hi, I'm Hazel Osborne and I'm thirty thousand dollars in debt. Hi, Hazel. Poor. Yeah, hi. no, exactly. So today we're going to be um, kind of just talking about student loans and like I just said before, but it's actually going to be linking into the podcast. It's going to be broadcast live here today. So that's on 106.1 FM at 9pm tonight. So you can tune in to the Avocado on Toast podcast and it's going to be all about first flats. So that was the topic of last week's live show, but I wanted to kind of carry it on today and make it all um, kind of incorporate into one another and obviously when you're going into your first flat, your student living costs and your student allowance mm. are a, a huge contributor to where you're going to be living, where you're choosing to live yeah. and how you think you can live by your means because sometimes we can't as students. Yeah. Um, so basically I wanted to start out by talking about the um, student allowance and student living costs. So, Kane, do you want to kind of talk to me about your experience? Because you're in your, what's your um, current study status? So you're in your third year? Oh, I'm currently in my fourth year. Your fourth year, so yeah. So I have uh, two months left till I finish my degree. Well, congratulations on that, first Thank of you. all. <laughs> um, so you've been on the allowance for the whole time? The whole time. Right? Yeah. So what was the process like when you were applying for your allowance initially on StudyLink? Well... It's kind of annoying. I don't know. Yeah. Rightfully annoying because uh, it's the government giving you free money. But it takes quite a long time to apply. Like sometimes it can take up to a month to Mm. hear back and whatnot. And you have to repeat the process every single year Mm. just to confirm that all your details are the same. Yeah. And they always kind of email you this and send those really ambiguous emails being like, you've left out one piece of document. It's this like mystery hunt for what they are looking to have in there. No, yeah, yeah. it's like they try every kind of method to make sure you don't get it, mm. just so they don't have to pay out. But mm. yeah. yeah, understandably, you have to go through real me first. So getting a real me is pretty damn difficult. And yeah, like you oh, have yeah. to go to the post office. Get you know, like it's just such a. But then here's us, it's an arduous process. Yeah, here's hard. us complaining about filling out a, full, a few forms to get ten thousand dollars a year. But yeah, I mean, I don't get ten thousand dollars a year, but yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. What's this ten thousand dollars you're talking about, Kate? Well. So I get uh, roughly $200 a week, mm-hmm. and I'm just assuming that I get it for the whole year. Yeah. So that works out to be about $10,000 a year. Yeah. Wow, that's a crazy sum. But you actually don't get it for the whole year. That was just an assumption I made. Um, would you agree that the student, because you've only ever experienced the um, student allowance process, which is, I probably would argue, is a lot more intricate than applying for the um, student living cost student living mm. allowance which mm. is obviously money that as students we are entitled to pay back to the government yeah. that goes on top of our um our fees essentially mm-hmm. so i kind of yeah 
do you would you agree that the process is probably a little bit harder to be getting the kind of free money? I put that in air quotes if you're listening at home. Well, that's what it is, really. But, yeah. Um, I I haven't experienced both sides, so I don't know definitively. But mm. I'll just I'd assume that it would be easier just because um, it is free money. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no strings attached. They're just putting money into your bank account so that you can Love. have a reasonable yeah. life as a student, mm. yeah. as opposed to kind of signing a contract. Mm. But in a sense, that could make it even harder to get that one since you're kind of signing a legally binding contract with money involved. Yeah, exactly. Because I think any contract, like I remember um, I remember going into signing my contract when I was like, what, 18 for my first year of university and I just did not know what the heck I was doing. Like yeah. at all, I was like, okay, I suppose I got to twelve thousand dollars this year. Yeah, I, I can't picture what that amount of money looks like. Sure, I'll put my signature down. Yeah, yeah. fine, sweet. <laughs> I don't care. Twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. See you later, money. Like <laughs> to be fair, I don't even think I've it's read like, any of the contracts. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, it's what like you're self pranking your future, yeah, exactly. future person. Yeah, borrowing but, from future self. Exactly. But with the um, with the. Because you have to prove, like, your caregiver's financial status and mm. all of that kind of stuff. So there's all those pressures and all of those hoops that you have to jump through. So, Gouda, I kind of want to ask you on your side, yeah. um, what is, what's your experience of applying for the um, student living costs? Because I, I got the um, student allowance, yeah. but then since I'm not getting enough money to live off, I was yeah. only getting 130 or something like yeah. that. I don't know if I can disclose it on air, but I'm going to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I had to switch over to the to the living yeah. allowance, which yeah, is the, the 176, yeah. 71 or whatever the amount of money is. So what's your experience of the um, application process? Yeah, uh, I think it was relatively straightforward in the sense that, I mean, I had, I'm lucky enough to have parents that kind of know the ins and outs of these sort of things. So yeah, like things like the the real me that you had to create in order to be able to kind of verify that you were you. Mm. Um, and then it's pretty much for the most part all online. Um, and as I said, like, I'm really lucky that my parents helped me with that. But I think coming into that as an 18-year-old and say you're someone that's um, coming from a low-income family or you don't necessarily have access to a computer or a laptop, um, it would just make life hell. Like, it's mm. just, it, it, it would be such an arduous process. I, like, I, I've only now just got my head, like, wrapped around it in my third, in my third year now that I'm 21, <laughs> going on 22. Yeah. Um, but as an 18-year-old coming into it, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky process and you don't exactly know what you're signing yourself up for because... You think, yeah, $175 a week. Yeah, that, that can be paid back with a part-time job. That's mm. two weeks' work kind of thing. Uh, but when you add the total amount up over 56 weeks or, you know, however long you're studying for, you know, what you're getting paid out throughout the year, um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting way to help students, supposedly help students through uh, through university Um when actually, yeah, the, the whole process itself, I don't know, you just, it's uh, kind of blurred and it's not very user-friendly, especially online. Mm. Uh, and if you don't, yeah, as I said, if you don't have access to technology, then, you know, it's fucking hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Would you, because uh, you just kind of mentioned before, we'll go back a little bit, and you said that there are some people who don't have access to technology, access to computers and stuff mm. like that, and so they have to go into winds, which is quite an intimidating atmosphere yeah hell yeah. yeah I mean I'm lucky enough that you know like my, I come from a, a 
parents who are a doctor and an engineer, so we've never been short on money. And so, you know, I come from a, a privileged uh, standpoint, so I can't really comment on, you know, what it must be like. But from what I do know about people who, uh, you know, are beneficiaries and, you know, from, you know, from friends who, who do have to go through wins and it's... Uh, it's underfunded and it's a really difficult process and I think more often than not people have negative experiences versus positive experiences. It's not meant to be easy to get student uh, living allowance at mm. one seventy five a week. It's not meant to be easy and fit, like rightly so. Mm, like um, Kane was saying before. Eh? But I think it's inherently problematic because it is harder for low income earners. It's harder for people from lower lower socio demographic, uh, yeah, from demographics. And uh, I think it's made to be easier for people with access to technology, with access to a computer, with access to parents who mm. kind of know the ins and outs of these things. So yeah, I think it's inherently a little bit problematic. Mm. Is it all is it all done electronically these days? It is, eh? Yeah, yeah, because. Yeah, I think back in the day you could go to the post office and they'd do your real me and stuff, but yeah. that's obviously still a paid service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a little bit um, controversial, I think, because you're having to kind of spring this money for initial services before you can even get your massive student loan and be yeah. like, well, here I am. Yeah, exactly. I'm the queen of debt. Watch yeah. me sit on my pile, a giant pile of <laughs> borrowed money. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's fair, though, because they are two independent businesses. And mm, that's true. And they have to make their own money. And, for example, New Zealand Post will have to do the admin of mm. that, not Victoria University. So. Mm, that's true. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Do you know any more about that? Well, all I know is that Victoria University, even though it's a place for education... It's a business. It's a business, yeah. understandably. Yeah, for sure. And they need to maximise the money they make. But also, if you're going into New Zealand Post, which is its own independent business, they're going to have um, time associated with filling out forms for you to, mm. you know. Yeah. It's paying for that people power, eh? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it has to be done. But yeah. yeah. So I kind of wanted to ask both of you, because I know both of you have part-time jobs, <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to to raise the question of do you think a part-time job is essential when you're studying because the student allowance and student living costs aren't like they aren't fulfilling our financial needs as students depends if you're flatting ultimately I think yeah yeah because yeah. you're currently at your grandma's right Kane? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you moved because you moved home from a flat that you were living in. Yeah, and that was like kind of kind of higher up on the rent spectrum. Well, yeah, my first flat uh, was two hundred and ten dollars a week just for the rent. <laughs> That's but insane. It, it was beautiful. I had like yeah, I had an ensuite, and I don't know, I couldn't afford it, but I just wanted. But it. you love living there. Yeah. yeah, I just got it. You know, you yeah, want it, you get it. But yeah. yeah. So why did you, because kind of bringing it back into the um, first flats thing and also with the financial status that you had as a person who was getting a student allowance, so this first flat, like, why why were you kind of like, oh, 210, like, that's manageable? Does it just go back to you being like, well, I want it, I like the place, I may as well just move in and I can manage the finances later? Well, it does get a bit personal here. I actually had an uh, altercation with my family and... Mm. You know, we disagreed on some things, so mm-hmm. I kind of had to leave basically as soon as possible. Yeah. And that flat was with uh, some of my friends, my close friends, mm-hmm. 
and they needed someone to fill it so that they didn't struggle financially. Yeah. And I was in a position to fill that flat. Yeah. So as much as it was I wanted it, there was other factors involved as well. Mm. And, I mean, it's not the best financial decision, but I feel like as a student you don't really have to consider these, you know, financial decisions because you're not in a position to be saving. I feel like all the money you get as a student is pretty much disposable. disposable. Yeah, until mm. just to set yourself up, you know, for later where you're in a position where you've got a salary or da-da-da, you know. Yeah. That's really interesting because later in the um, podcast that's going to be broadcast here tonight, uh, we one of my guests actually talked about the fact that they flat in Wellington, but their family also live in Wellington, and their family essentially was like, you're getting older now, like you need to move out, like blah, 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 blah. And so people couldn't understand why somebody was living in a flat when their family was at home and we kind of had this discussion around like independence and having independence as a student and it kind of having more than just a monetary value it's mm. like a it's like a personal value I, and like the experience of living by yourself and learning to live with other people mm. as well I completely agree um I never thought about it that way because I always thought about uh, the monetary value, how much money I could save, mm. how much money I could spend every week on myself. Mm. It's kind of a selfish and materialistic uh, view that I had. Oh, we're but, all guilty of that. Though. Yeah, I think yeah. I think so too. Just because money is so important, mm. and I don't think you can deny that. You know, as much as people like to think money's not important, <laughs> so money does pay your rent, and money your power, and your internet, and buys your food, everything in this world, and that's unfortunate. But yeah. I think, you know, with moving out, there are a lot of lessons you learn and mm. you don't think about those lessons if you're thinking about money. But when you move out, you have to be independent, you have to be responsible, you have to learn to develop your time management skills so that you can mm. get everything you need to do in the day done. Mm. Whereas, like, living at home, it's like, you know, family's there to look after you. Not saying that's all they're there for, but they want to do that, so mm. they kind of... Uh, yeah. eliminate some of the tasks you would have to do to survive on a daily basis. Yeah, they alleviate that, some stresses that mm. students do have in their day-to-day yeah. lives. Because like, I have uh, friends whose parents have uh, forced them to leave, not out of, you know, not because anything negative happened between them, but just be- so that they could learn these lessons as yeah. like, soon as possible. Yeah. And some of these friends are at young ages, so like, as soon as they turn 18, mm. their parents have been like, no, like you're 18 now, you have to go. Yeah, And as ununderstandable as... The, that is, you know, I can't imagine being in that position, being like, wow, my family's just kicked me out. Yeah. But in the long run, I think these are the people that are going to be the most successful. These guys are learning lessons we should have learned when we at learned. younger ages, yeah. but we're still I not still. even getting around to yeah. learning these lessons. Yeah, exactly. you know? For sure. Yeah. Kind of philosophical. But. <laughs> A little bit philosophical, yeah. Because, Greta, you um, <laughs> you came to, you're originally from Christchurch, correct? Yeah, yeah. Christchurch. Um, but now you're, yeah. yeah, now your parents live in Nelson. Um, but anyway, you came to Wellington in year 13. Yeah, yeah. To, to go to high school in Wellington, essentially, because you were looking for somewhere that was a little bit more creative and a little bit more 
Yeah, that I, think I, was, who I think I was were. searching for a more liberal uh, city. I was kind of done with the bureaucracy and kind of fat mummies and, I mean, fat daddies and pretty mummies of Mary Vale and Christchurch. Um, That's so nice good. I have, that, I have that in my head. <laughs> yeah. And they're at the footy. Oh, man, I'm so done with the day. That, oh, man, just not my people. Yeah, um, anyway, in your year 13 year, because mm. your parents did have a place in Wellington, but you were pretty mm. much just living by yourself. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they paid for, they paid for everything for me in year 13 uh, during my last year of high school. So, yeah, I pretty much lived alone in my last, and, you know, I, so I, I left home when I was about 17 mm. um, and then, yeah, moved to Wellington and lived here in my last year of high school, so between 17 and 18. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't call that flatting. I'd just call that living in a plush little <laughs> house by myself and <laughs> uh, getting up to no good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, what's, what was the juxtaposition between, because obviously you had a buffy year of living in a hall in yeah. between these two, but what was the juxtaposition between you living in a house that was paid for but by yourself yeah. to you moving into a flat that was also kind of a little bit pricey, if I do remember rightly? Yeah, yeah. 190 or something It was like 190, week. I think it was about 190, 195, and yeah. then plus about 10, 15 expenses. On like fairly terrace, so terrace. it's really close to... So like to 50 metres away from uni, that's what you were paying the price for. Mm. It was not a good flat. It was mouldy, it was damp. It was just a big shithole, and I yeah. was paying top dollar. I yeah. didn't have an ensuite, and I was only paying fifteen dollars less than you were. That's insane. And it's weren't you on Kelvin Parade as well? Yeah, I was uh, about uh, five second walk from uh, university. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> no, it was yeah. it was pretty much the best. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I could. Yeah, ever see, those, get something that yeah, you... those things just pop up very yeah. rarely. Um, yeah, but for the most part, uh, the standard of housing in Wellington is shit. Yeah, it's, it's a joke. It's. <laughs> Ridiculous. For sure. Because I talk about in the podcast later on, so we're going to just talk about um, the first flat experience here, and then we'll probably be moving on to mm. more kind of topics mm. about um, student loans and stuff mm. like that, mm. and we'll be referencing yeah. um, what Labor's been proposing with the free first year yeah. of university and how that's going to affect people going into study and all, all those kinds of things. But yeah. that'll come later in the show. Right now, I kind of want to talk about living standards mm. and students' living standards. Mm. So, do you think, I'm just going to throw this question out to both of you, and we're going to start with Greta with the um, response. Do you think it's not only the responsibility of the landlord with the property and maintaining it and making sure it's not bad, but also the responsibility of the tenants? Yeah, I think it's 50-50. I think you can't, I don't think as a, and I I totally get why a lot of, um, I was just reading, actually, that's really interesting. I was reading a debate, uh, Labour put out, uh, they're proposing this idea that they want to have stricter rules on on homeowners uh, or people that own, you know, own rental properties. Um, but equally, you can't be a renter going into the house just to take the piss and mm. put holes in the walls. You know, that gives a bad name to, to young people as renters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't take the piss when you're going into a rental property. And I think a lot of people do, especially in their first year of flashing after the halls and whatnot. Uh, but also as a... They're like 10 girls looking for a flat. Yeah. And Victoria we're going to get drunk every weekend and probably vomit all over the carpets and just mm. do some really... Uh, yeah, just people just take the piss out of, of out of the homes that they live in and then poor homeowners or, you know, home owners of rental properties have to come in and clean up after them because, you know, that's just the way it works. Um, but also, equally, though, as a, as a homeowner or, you know, sorry, as a... Uh, you're a homeowner? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you're uh, a unicorn. <laughs> as a rental property owner, um, you can't make your tenants pay letting fees. You cannot accept the fact that... 
you know, when a when a tenant calls you saying, hey, look, uh, we've got mould or a hole in the floor or, you know, the dishwasher's not working, you equally cannot take the piss and be like, oh, you know, we'll get around to it and then never do because that has happened count over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Not just with me, but every single person I know has had a run-in with a landlord about them not doing a good enough job. And as someone who is privileged enough to own not only your own home but a rental property, mm. you should be you should be meeting those standards. Mm. That is well, a lot absolutely of people, imperative. A lot of people are professional landlords as well. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So it's technically their job. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, they're, and they're, they're, they're getting it. an income from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to respond to that, Kane? Uh, to the... To, to my question and also to what Greta was just saying there. I think uh, about what Greta's saying and about people that own rental properties and kind of the expectations with that, like mm-hmm. buying your rental property it is expected that you would treat that kind of seriously and treat it as a business. But then you can also see how some business owners attempt to kind of push these financial burdens forward so that they can allocate their money elsewhere. Just mm. typical, like, business management. Although mm. it, you are playing with kind of people's well-being. Yeah, well, because in the podcast, the, there's a discussion kind of about the quality of life and how where you live obviously and ultimately affects the quality of your life and your mental health and, like, how you are and, like, getting sick and having to go to the doctors and all that kind of thing. And so it's really, like, students may be little shits, like, do not get us wrong. We are all guilty of, like, spilling stuff. I've definitely, like, I've poured one out on a carpet, like, as a joke, (laughs) which which is ridiculous. But, like, there's this... This culture is inevitable. It's who we are. It's what youth do. We have heaps of fun doing it. Mm. But maybe it's time for everybody to kind of to pick up their socks and just be a little bit more aware of their own living conditions. Well, I th- yeah, I think that comes down to educating young people about, hey, you're, next year you're going to be going into your first flat. Mm. I never had a course where, hey, this is how you make a flat account. This is how you pay that money into, so you know, a, you know, said account. This is how you prep for the winter. You do this, you buy curtains, you make sure you've got some sort of form of ventilation. I had no idea. I had mm. no idea. And so in my first year of flatting, I I had pneumonia at one point. I had a major surgery wow. which I got really sick from. Um you know, I I was depressed all the time. I, you know, it was pointless getting up in the morning because I just felt so utterly weak and sad. And, you know, I felt like a little moldy hole creature. It was awful. <laughs> and I remember... In your little mezzanine bed. Oh, that. my God. It was awful just seeing drips coming down after oh. sleeping in your bedroom. And then I remember calling the, the property management. I, don't, I, I won't name and shame because I don't know if that's illegal. But um, That is. It's defamatory. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, well, said property management in Wellington did fuck all about it. They, I said, look, we're really struggling here. Mm. You know, we're paying, each of us are paying 190 to 200 for these rooms. And, you know, we don't even have heaters in our rooms. Oh, and no. there's, you know, I can see the wall sweating from condensation. Like, mm. please do something. No, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Have you had any of these experiences? I think... I'm a unicorn, you know. Yeah. I, You're the unicorn in this situation. I've only had good experiences flatting. <laughs> That's but good. But it could be how I selected my flats mm-hmm. and only moving into flats with people I know and yeah. that are going to provide me 
with a quality experience, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, there's also the fact that um, a lot of people, because of the renting crisis, a lot of students are forced to take properties that they're first off offered. They're like, oh my gosh, I have this house. Like, it's been so hard. The hunt has been so strenuous. Mm. Like, finally, we have this place to live. Why not just jump in and take it? And yeah. so a lot of students are put in these, like, compromising living conditions. Well, that's what we did, Hazel. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, – because me and Greta are actually um, ex-flatmates because yeah. – ex only because we had to move out because our flat was under renovation the whole time we were there. <laughs> and it felt like we were squatting in our own flat. Yeah. But we were still paying 850 for a five-bedroom house. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and we were only we were only paying kind of like a subsidised rate because we had. Um, yeah, he wanted it to raise it to nine hundred, or which is ridiculous. He's like, I'll raise it to nine hundred after I finish the renovations, and I'm like, that looks like it's never going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, we because we went in there. He's like, I'll finish my renos by March. Yeah, yeah. Got in there. March <laughs> came April. around. <laughs> April was there, and we we're just like, you know what, we have to move because yeah. we've accepted this house on the false pretext. In the house. We had literally holes in the walls with mold growing out, and we weren't dirty. No. We were just there were holes in the floor. There were nails all <laughs> everywhere because of our landlord. Um, and the, the saddest thing about all of this is. As it was being advertised, there were 14 groups that applied for it. Mm, and we, we were the winners. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, like 14 groups applying for a substandard house that does not meet the 2000, and I think it's 2007 or 2008 uh, standard of housing reform. It did not meet that criteria. Yeah. criteria. And there are so many houses in Wellington and, and especially Dunedin as well that don't meet that criteria. Yeah. And it's making our, you know, it's making our young people sick. Yeah. It is. Which is really important. Have you ever heard of kind of like a horror story of like a rental like that came from one of your friends? It just heaps of stuff goes wrong to yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. for like, sure. Just because of the business management kind of aspect of owning rental properties, you can see how it can happen just because especially if someone owns multiple properties, it's quite hard to coordinate things to happen in all of those flats mm. and unfortunately that results in a lot of bad experiences for example my friends hosted a party which you could argue it's their fault for hosting a social event but, but oh no on. students yeah. are being social yeah, i know it's like <laughs> an essential like part of life yeah exactly and unfortunately someone that showed up kicked a hole in the wall oh, and yeah. just because that's our culture you know yeah but it wasn't fixed for like like a month yeah. at least, which is unsettling. Is this on an external wall or an internal wall? Internal wall. Oh, okay. Like yeah. literally in the hallway. I think the guy actually just ran his head into it. What the? Yeah. That's okay, New Zealand. Welcome <laughs> to like New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was a good night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, but that's the thing. It's just like it's it's all about how we look after the houses we're living in. Yeah, I mean, even in my flat, I um, it gets mouldy and it's damp and stuff like that. But it's it's all about because I'm really lucky that I can afford a higher power bill. Yeah. I can afford to run my dehumidifier like twenty four seven. Yeah, I can afford to like dry my clothes because my house gets no sun, mm. and therefore I can't dry my things outside. And if I dry them inside, mm. we would have mold and condensation. But there are some people who don't, who can't actually afford a power bill 
to the extent that mine is, right? Yeah. Let alone afford the dehumidifier. Exactly. Yeah. Let, yeah. Al- let alone af- yeah, afford yeah. like the technology to enable mm. their living space to yeah. be adequate. Yeah. Well, I mean, a dehumidifier is what, like three to five hundred dollars, which isn't yeah. like if you're working full time, you're like a yo pro. Yeah. That's mm. you know you can afford that, but with a student who's getting the student allowance and like since okay, so when you're on the student allowance, you can only work X amount of hours before you're taxed. What, Sam, do you know the amount of hours? Yeah. Well, so it's not hours. It's actually our income. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so when you're on the student allowance, regardless of what kind of plan you're on, mm. you can earn, I think it's $210 uh, before tax uh, weekly. Wow. So that restricts the amount of hours you can work and mm-hmm. therefore how much money you can. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it forces you into a position where you have to not get the allowance and then work even more hours to end up with the same amount of money. Yeah. I'm actually still is, paying back the government for over-withdrawing my allowance because of working too many hours. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cruel because I was still only just getting by. Anyway, Gritty, you look like you're busting. So National are telling us, oh, here, you know, like, we'll, you know, we cover, you know, X amount percentage of your costs Mm. and, you know, we'll give you 175 a week just to keep your head afloat, but we'll punish you if you try and work above that. So say you work in Wellington, you live in Wellington and you've got Mm -hmm. rent that's $200 a week, 175 is not covering that. So you work... 20 hours a week to keep your head afloat. But, oh, no, now you've earned $250 a week, so now we're just going to punish you. It's yeah. a completely self-contradictory yeah. policy. It's 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 ridiculous to encourage our young people to get out there, make a living mm. for themselves, get an identity, move out, and then, oh, but wait, we're going to punish you because you're working too hard now and you're, yeah. you're you know, you're mm. exploiting out, you know, the you're, government. You're, yeah, you're exploiting the government, which is absolutely just well, not the case. It's hilarious because that's why, or well, not hilarious. That's a, obviously <laughs> I'm not like having a big fat laugh about it, mm. but the that's the reason why I was only getting 120, 130 a week was because of my deduction, every um, mm. student allowance paycheck, and mm. every. Um, mm. Personal paycheck that I got, yeah, because I work one shift a week, making sure that I don't go over, and I just get I get like a hundred and fifty back for two like two shifts, which isn't enough at all. No, I can't live on that. But no. even having those kind of things in place, restricting the amount of time you work, mm. not only restricts the amount of money you can earn per week, but also restricts the job you can occupy you mm, know? Yeah. so for true for example how many jobs are going to offer you 13 hours a week yeah and what kind of quality are those jobs are these mm-hmm. jobs going to allow you to develop your cv and get better jobs in the future yeah no it's kind of like a stasis you're forcing students yeah. into working at a like mcdonald's or a cafe and i'm, I'm not even sure mcdonald's is going to offer you a 13 hour a week position mm. you yeah. know they're going to want staff to... Well, because it's zero-hour contracts and stuff like that. If you're looking to only work that amount of hours, they're like, well, we'll put you on a zero-hour, and then maybe you won't even get you a shift even get that work, week. And then you can't even pay your rent the next exactly. week. It causes all kinds of problems. It's a vicious cycle. Absolutely. You should be working towards developing yourself, and you can't do that working in a job that doesn't actually push you. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying working in a cafe is bad, good hours, good money, but you can't even abuse those benefits of the job. Yeah. You can only work there... 12 hours a week and exactly. any more, and you're only earning 30 cents to the dollar. So. <laughs> well, there's the statistic. I'm trying to wrecking, I'm kind of wrecking my brain for the statistic, but I'll just kind of put the general um, idea out there that there are students who can't sustain like living, paying their rent, paying their power, internet, buying food, being healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they are actually in credit card debt. 
And so yeah. not only when you leave university, you have the student loan that you have to be starting to repay, which will yeah. get docked off your um, paycheck, but you also have this credit card debt that's just sitting in there and you're not a student yeah. anymore, and so your bank fees are going to be going up, yeah. which is really stressful for a lot of students, I think. Do you guys know anybody with credit card debt? Me. Yeah? <laughs> Me. Yeah. This guy. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to name banks here, but okay, okay, no. Just a bank of, you know, in New Zealand. Um, bank of New Zealand. I got a student kind of uh, package, I suppose you could call it. Yeah. Uh, where it's $1,000 overdraft and a $500 credit card. Um, I'm lucky now in the sense that I work two part-time jobs and, you know, I'm pretty damn independent when it comes. And, you know, I, I no longer have any kind of financial um, dependence on my family. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all nearly paid off. Um, but, yeah, I had, to get, I had to get a credit card because at that time I had exhausted my course-related costs because I bought <laughs> I was still under the, I, I was still under the guise that I needed books I needed books for university when all of it was online I don't think I've read a book now since. never buy your books yeah, never, never ever scan buy or Big download <laughs> yeah exactly um, not that I'm don't download illegally stealing. Yeah, oh no, yeah, no no illegal stuff here kids uh, but Jay yeah. Sean that's good <laughs> Um, but yeah, I got a I got a credit card um, and an overdraft because I at that time I didn't have a job and mum and dad were no longer paying my rent um, because they were kind of encouraging. Because you're an adult. Because I'm an adult and I was a spoiled brat and a little shit during that time. Uh, yeah, thanks mum and dad for dealing with me. Uh, but yeah, I so, swear I have a shout outs to like mum and dad at least yeah, once a week. Yeah, to mum and dad for, on the yeah, show. For sure, no, mum and mum's and dad. I want to start awesome. like a segment of the show just being like shout outs. Yeah. Shout outs to like whoever's like filled those roles oh, as well. Yeah, you should get the mums and dads on the show. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Their opinions on my financial, God, my parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's an idiot. Just show them your statement. <laughs> oh my God. Get their reactions. Mum have a hernia. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, got a, like, I got a credit play card. White, play white, play white. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, she, got, she hounded me the other day for going, she, why are you going for all these coffees, Greta? You know, it's so, you know, when you add it so up, it's $30 a week. I'm like, yeah, but sh- shut up. <laughs> we actually talked about that in the um, podcast that's going to be broadcast here on 106.1 FM tonight at 9pm. So that's the Avocado on Toast podcast, which you can get online on Spotify. Oh, not Spotify, sorry, my correction, um, SoundCloud, and on iTunes as well. But anyway, we were talking about that and um, talking about the fact that students, because we can't see ourselves owning a house in the future because millennials see the property market to be so dire and it's an an unobtainable goal that we're just like, you know what? We want to spend our money on things that we enjoy in the here and now. Mm. And that's why we criticise because of, like, having our avocado on toast for brunch, you know, Mm. for having our coffee once a day. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it kind of comes down to the simple pleasures in life. And the fact that millennials are kind of, we're developing in a way that we don't, we don't consider a lot. I know a lot of people, probably including you, Greta. I'm not too sure about you, Kane, but like having a house that you own and like a dog and like three kids and a husband and being like the ultimate like mm. wife or Kiwiana husband. Dream, it's not, yeah. yeah, the Kiwiana dream, the nuclear family. Like it's not the ultimate obtainable goal for a lot of the younger generation because we see that there's alternatives. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I know a few boomers who do rent and they love it. So yeah, 
To be honest, I'd be perfectly happy just renting forever, Mm. you know? Mm. Like, I don't see the need to own a house. As much as it provides you some kind of security and it's an asset for you to have so you don't feel like your money is just going into a void or filling Mm -hmm. some other guy's pockets Mm -hmm. who already has ten houses and a Porsche and, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I see. I I want a house. I one day want to be able to sit down in my own house and say, I own this. Yeah, I owe the bank a little bit of money, but this is is my space and I'm not giving any money to a man with 10 fucking houses and a Porsche and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to be that person when I'm 45 still giving money to someone who uses their houses just as an investment rather than something as a necessity. So, yeah, I would like to own a house one day. I don't think I will, but I would like to. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, as you said about, you know, uh, baby boomers and stuff, I don't know. I think, you know, with this whole idea that, like, coffee and, you know, avocado and toast per day kind of thing, that stops us. Uh, I mean... <laughs> To be fair, like my mum and my dad had to work and did work probably literally 10 times harder than I am now to get where they were. You know, she comes, she's a woman from Tuatapri who had a builder for a dad and a stay-at-home mum. And so, yes, she had to, and she was from a low, you know, they didn't get presents at Christmas. Um, But yeah, so, you know, they did, they, I'll give credit where it's due. Baby boomers have had to work uh, Damn hard, especially, you know, from low-income families to get where they are, to be a homeowner. Mm. Uh, but with the rate that our economy is going, yes, it's growing, but it's leaving young people behind. It is. It's leaving low-income and even medium-income families behind. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as Jacinda Ardern said, you know, we, some people have to save $150,000 for a deposit. Mm. And that's... When am I going to have $150,000 for a deposit as be, disposable, you know? To be fair, this could be quite a controversial statement. Mm. Hold that thought. Um, <laughs> I want you to... I want you, I'm excited, though. I want, you, I, I want you to marinate on that, and I'm just going to throw this out to the out to the um, people listening at home, also to Greta and Kane. So today I put on Facebook a statistic saying 70% of students say that their tertiary loan will stop them from buying a house. And so just think about that one, let that stew a little bit, and we're going to play a little bit of music, um, probably only a couple of songs, because we're having a really solid conversation here, and we want to get back to what Kane has to say. So stay tuned, um, and we... What would, what did we decide on, Kane? Because me and Kane were talking about music just before. Do, do, do. I don't know, we got two different vibes. We did. So what? Um, actually, what I have is a... Um, if you use Spotify... We have an avocado on toast live show Spotify playlist. And so it's available to anybody who wants to listen to the music that I play here on the show. Um, I've gotten a few few people being like, I love what you play. Like, can you make a playlist for me? And so I've put that all together. And if you're really interested, hit that up. It's Avo Live Show. Just search it up on Spotify and it should come under my name, Hazel Osborne, your host. And then you can just listen to basically the music that I like to scroll down and select out of each week. <laughs> um, so we're going to be starting out with actually a um, Wellington-based rap artist, KVKA. Um, he's one of Kane's friends. Is that correct? He's, uh, I'm acquainted with him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. He's um, a good guy. He he's a really good, good guy. He, he deserves the recognition. Good music. And actually, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of... Wellington at the moment, I think, creatively. So not only in the rap and the 
kind of um, like music producing scene, but also with the maidens and all that kind of stuff. Like there's just a lot of good stuff happening. Well, any opportunity to assist kind of, yeah. you know, Wellington-based creativity. It's exactly. not often that... We get exposure. Suggestion, of course. Brock so, flower would be awesome. Brock flower. Okay, so we're going to be playing um, KVK Who You, and then afterwards we're going to be playing um, a song recommendation from Greta, one of Brock flowers. Yeah. So it's going to be, yeah? yeah. All right. Okay, you enjoy, and we'll be back with you very soon. So Kane, you keep that thought in your head, Ooh. and make sure we talk about that later. All right, here it is. Welcome back to Avocado on Toast Live. I'm your host, Hazel Osborne. And just before the break, we were talking about... Do you want to say, Kane? Because um, if you've just tuned in now on 106.1 FM, um, we kind of started off the show talking about student allowances, student loans, saving up for our lives and the student debt that we're currently in. And that kind of went into the quality of life that we are living as people who are renting houses and who have rented houses. And this all ties into the podcast this evening, which is all about first flat experiences. So just before the break, Kane said that he had something controversial to say. <laughs> well, while we were talking about how in our current position we have to rent, as buying a house is so far out of reach mm-hmm. for us. And you were saying some people need to save up to $150,000 to even put a deposit on their first home. Um, and then Greta over here said that she can't even imagine herself saving $150,000 to be mm-hmm. in that position to buy that home that she wants in the future. Mm. Whereas I'm somebody that is perfectly happy with renting. What I was going to say, it may be controversial, and I understand this is coming from the perspective of a single 21-year-old male with no kids to look after, no responsibilities, and a tertiary qualification, um, I think it is possible to save the money for a house. I just think, as the millennials, we expect things to happen a lot faster than they really take, you know? Mm. If we, when we want a house, when we're thinking about saving for a house, we want it in a year, you know? We don't want to actually put in the time, make the sacrifices required to achieve that goal. And it also has something to do with education. In high school, do you remember one time where they taught you how to save money at all? Nope. No. They even brought up the concept of saving for your future? No, not once. <laughs> it's kind of something... I was genuinely searching my mind just then, actually. I was like, did yeah. they? No, 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 no. I don't think my teacher ever said, you should save money, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's something... This know. is the Merchant of Venice instead. Yeah. It's a concept you have to teach yourself, and I'm fortunate yeah. to... Where's my pound of flesh, man? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Bill English. <laughs> I'm wow. fortunate enough to have thought about these things, and I'm not saying I'm loaded. I have, uh, like I said earlier, $37,000 in debt from my student, allowan- mm-hmm. oh, student loan, sorry, mm-hmm. just to, so I can get this qualification, mm-hmm. so hopefully I can save the money mm-hmm. in the future. But I think it's... yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I think you, you had a line of thought you were going to. Don't let me wreck this train. Out, you know, let me. If the train can the be, train can the, the train the be crashed mm. into, Kane? Oh no! I well, I just want to say sorry. I'll just wrap it up quick. Mm. My of point. course, of course. I'm just think that in the position students are currently in, like I said earlier, we only have enough money for it to be considered disposable and making any attempt to save, you're going to have some kind of unforeseeable event that's going to happen and require you to spend money. Mm. For example, your laptop breaks and a laptop essential for uni. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need some kind of computer. Mm. And there, there, what, there goes your whole savings for the year mm. or 
Yeah, That's we're so just true. not in a position where we can't even have a vision of having that much money when we're struggling to have a disposable $100 a week, mm. you know? Um, yeah, but so what do you study again? I study biomed. Yeah, biomed. So biomed's usually considered a six-figure job once you actually get into a proper line of work, you know? You'd... Uh, oh, no. well, fired. Not, <laughs> not at all. Um, so I honestly think that biomed is a very selfless job. It's kind of you want to dedicate your life to research. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think master's students will earn $50,000 a year, which, I mean, that's more than the average income probably. Oh, I actually don't know. I think average income, like average entry level is forty. Okay, or 35 Yeah, but when you think about the uh, six or seven, oh, sorry, yeah, five, six years required to get this master's qualification. Mm-hmm. And the loan that's going to be amounting in that time as well. And the quality of life you've mm-hmm. had over those six years, the mm-hmm. sacrifices you've made to get there, I think, you know, they should be earning more than that. But it's a selfless job, but that's not my point. My point is there's alternative paths. But see, what my point is, you know, as a biomed, uh, as a biomed student, and then you're going to be obviously going into a career that is biomedicine, which uh, I would definitely say is a higher earner than, say, a hospo job, you know, even a manager's hospo job. I, I mean, I don't know exactly like the medium wage for a biomed, uh, what do you call those, scientists or researchers? Yeah, biomed researcher. I think there's quite a few options. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, A, there's, you know, there's uh, a thing thing for a lowly art student who's done theatre and a film major. Um, I think it is a lot easier to say as a biomed student um, to say, yeah, well, it it is realistic for me to to save up for a house because uh, as, you know, as, as a science student, uh, this world is demanding, you know, is is more demand demandive of people who do study science, people who do have a an analytical way of thinking, and therefore that's where the money's put into. That's where you know. So I feel like it is easy to say yes, I can I can save up for a house from that perspective. Whereas you look at, uh, you know, you look at someone like maybe not using me as an example because I think I, I th- you know I'm relatively confident I'll be comfortable. But, uh, you know, you look at a, a, a person that's from a low-income family that's studying, you know, doing an arts degree, uh, whether, you know, something like philosophy or something, um, <laughs> there's not many uh, lines of work that really do facilitate, uh, you know, anything over five figures. I'm going to be kind of controversial and be like, well, that's their fault, though. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I completely agree with your statement, but the only reason I have the... Um, advantage, oh, not advantage, the blessing of saying these kinds of things Mm. is because I've decided, I've really thought about it, Mm. I've thought, well, in the future I want X. Mm -hmm. To get that, I'm going to need X income. Mm -hmm. What can allow me to do that? Mm -hmm. Like, although there is an element of joy for me (laughs) studying this degree, Mm -hmm. I do enjoy what I study. Mm -hmm. I've also considered those things as well because... Mm. You kind of have to in this world. But I'm not saying you shouldn't study things you don't like so that you can get money. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying this is a situation I'm in. These are my mm-hmm. my thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, although it's controversial. Yeah. I think I, we're also really lucky as a generation where mm-hmm. so many industries are um, interlinking and developing rapidly where we can leave with an arts degree and potentially do say like say like a postgrad in journalism or a postgrad in yeah. like any kind of other stuff like that, and then you can apply these things yeah. and you can yeah. have a really solid life. Yeah, sure. But this <laughs> it's a crazy point to bring up with ten minutes to go on our yeah. live show today. Yeah. I know. I just think I think 
think, yes, of course, a society needs lawyers. We need doctors. Mm-hmm. We need researchers. Mm. We need. We do need those people. But also, a wholesome society has performers. We have yeah. people who uh, pour drinks arts. and serve food. Mm. We've got people who, you know, we. So, at the at the current rate in which the ho- you know, the housing crisis is all because we have overpriced ho- houses. The, the houses that are on the market are overpriced, and we don't have enough affordable houses. And we have to be. We have to as a society society be able to accommodate not just the lawyer but also the person who pours and serves you also the playwright the, the yeah. playwright you know that's that's what a good society a good society has a strong arts and it has a strong uh, economy as well mm. and you know that's you know yeah. and both have been celebrated and both yeah work well so, together yeah you you say oh well it's, it's it is realistic for me to afford a house um because you know, it's a self-taught method just to save money to prepare for the future. But you know, when you you know, I know people who are in in the theatre industry in uh, in Wellington, and they the lack of funding means mm. they struggle from a day-to-day basis. Um, and you you have to absolutely, as a country, be able to support not only your playwright, but you you got to be able to support your well, doctor as well. I agree. You know? I just have mm. one more point. Um, so be quick because we have yeah, like a minute. <laughs> I apologise for the just continuing this, but so like I said, there is some element of joy in mm. me studying biomed. Mm. Mm. Of course. But I also in my free time I like to play guitar. Yeah. I am a creative mm. person. So in me choosing stability through my biomedical degree, mm. I've had to sacrifice the things I really enjoy mm. to be able to mm-hmm. focus on my quote-unquote vision, you know, at the expense of doing the things I actually enjoy in life. Mm. And that's a decision I made consciously. Mm. And although I'm not as happy as I would be playing guitar, I understand that there's limitations. Yeah, and, you know, we can't all be rock stars. <laughs> We're not all, like, yeah. slash or... Yeah. I, re- I really like that quote, we can't all be rock stars. Yeah. Because that's what happens with study. I think we all really want to, we're told to chase our dreams, which mm. is so valid, but there needs to be a sense of practicality. Yeah. It's and just unfortunate, the world we live in, you know? Yeah. You exactly. can't do these things you really want to be doing because money is of such importance nowadays. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we have about 17 seconds left on our show today, so I just want to say thank you to my guests today. Thank you, Kane, and thank you, Greta. It's been an incredible discussion. Um, so much has been talked about, and, yeah, enjoy the show. Um, whatever's next. Anyway, see you later. Bye. Thanks for having us. Bye.